Child's bone in the ghetto, in the ghetto, and her mother cries. Cause something, something, all he needs is another little baby's mouth to feed in the ghetto. Hi guys, I'm putting my microphone back in. Uh, if this makes a horrible noise, hopefully I'll edit it out. Yeah, that, okay, that was probably pretty bad. The reason this week opened with... Elvis in the ghetto is this. I was holding the microphone and standing next to the table and I realized I'd accidentally hit record. <clears throat> and standing with a live microphone, niggas be like, I'm gonna sing some Elvis. And niggas don't be like that. I kinda feel uncomfortable already. <laughs> I don't use that word ever. I just thought it'd be a funny phrasing, so I apologize for the possibly offensive terminology, but if it does make you feel any better, I was pronouncing it with an A-H, as is recommended by the Federal Food and Drug Administration. If you can hear a little difference, because I have a uh, violet mint in my mouth, and I must take that out. Um, I'm sorry for that. They are delicious, but very hard to talk <clears throat> with a violet mint in your mouth. This is a fucking... You know, this is this is a... This is a jam-packed fucking extravaganza of a beginning, is what this is. Bad Elvis singing me fucking choking on a mint, and uh, whatever the hell other fucking noise, moving microphones, and just disgusting this, so. Welcome to the Alex Cast. Uh, the original way of this opening was, um, a million years ago, was supposed to be, uh, Welcome! To the Alex cast. In the style of Monster Bash, the pinball game. And I still would very much want that to happen. So I recorded the uh, intro to Monster Bash uh, at a, at a um, what do you call that? Not a bar, not a pub, not a liquor store. What are those things that, that aren't where you drink? Um, pub, bar, liquor store. Wine bar, distillery, what am I thinking of? Arcade. So I went to the arcade and recorded the uh, Welcome to the Monster Bash uh, from the game. And the recording just didn't come out right. It actually sounded pretty cool, but it wasn't crisp enough to mix in with trying to do audio from my mic. So it ended up being like, you know, it sounded like I recorded in an arcade, but recorded really well. Like it was a really nice live recording. Like it would have been, it would sound like a, a location shot from, you know, a History Channel show or something, you know, quite clear, crisp, but trying to layer over Alex cast into that with a bad accent, trying to find the right uh, tone to do it just didn't work. I know what you're thinking. 
Hey, Alex, who could possibly fucking care about how you say welcome to the Alex cast? And you know what? I'm going to have to agree with you because that was that was incredibly fucking boring of a beginning. And that is exactly um, the kind of show you can expect from me tonight because I'm doing a solo show. I'm here by my lonesome because I want to do solo shows this year because I think it helps. I had a shitty day today. Uh, I had to do one of those mental health kind of days from work. To be fair, I do have kind of half a cold, but that doesn't really count. But I was really, like, kind of brain-sick, dead kind of thing. Because I'm, I'm no longer on um, antidepressants. I think I've told the show this. And one of the downsides to not being on antidepressants anymore is that you're not on antidepressants anymore. So there's times where the overwhelming horror that is, you know, kind of the existential view of human existence crushes you while you're laying in bed. And the thought of movement in any way is so disgusting to you that it's impossible. This was one of those horrible mornings where, and, and I kid you not, I haven't done this in um, well over a decade. But this is one of those mornings where, anyway, oh, I should word this carefully. But anyway, this is one of those mornings where the depression is so horrible that more than once in my life, I have essentially pissed my bed because I didn't want to get up to go to the bathroom. Now, I know that's gross. And also, if you really think about it, starkly awful on a on a human level and really horrible. I probably shouldn't have told you guys about that. But to be fair, I never get that bad because uh, the last time this had happened, I was in the phase where I used to drink Gatorade. So there was a wide mouth bottle uh, in my room. So I kind of just more maneuvered uh, my schwang into uh, uh, near the bottle entry and, and, you know, miterated that way. And so that actually worked out really well. Welcome to the Alex cast. This is a comedy show in which I talk about how I'm soul crushingly depressed to the point that I can't leave bed to use the bathroom and, um, can't go to work because I am broken brain. Welcome. Enjoy. Hey, what do I talk about? How I tried to say welcome to the Alex cast some more. That'll get all the fucking people listening. Woo. I can already hear them beating down the doors of iTunes waiting for this one to drop. Anyway. I asked everybody on Twitter, that being at the AlexCast. I also asked everybody on Facebook, that being facebook.com slash AlexCast, for questions and topics for me to talk about. And I can say this with some kind of surety that you listening right now, just by, you know, process of mathematics, have never interacted with me in any way, shape, or form other than listening to me. Because I know the numbers, that I, the download numbers, and I know the amount of people that talk to me. So, I was answered with a wall of crickets while asking this question, especially on Facebook. And uh, But eventually, we had a bit of a trickle through, and I do have some topics to talk about. I would like to start off, because he is a man that has returned. He is like Lazarus, back from the grave. Though, when you say Lazarus, you should probably not, like, th at the end. Because I don't know what that was. There was some kind of weird... Th -th there and not pronounced properly. But anyway, Debo himself, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, he has returned to the Twitter sphere to ask me, do you get Playboy for the articles or pics? I'm glad you asked me this. Thank you, Debo. I do not get Playboy because it's, you know, 2014 and I have the internet. But at one point, I was young. And in my youth, we found many a copy of Playboy. I don't know where these copies came from. Generally, they involved some kind of hiding place in the woods or um, 
secretive basement drawers uh, of fathers or things along those lines. When I say drawers, I mean the things in a dresser. Because one, I mispronounce that word terrifically because I'm from New Jersey and I pronounce it draw. And then two, I realized that father's drawers might be, that sounded like we were jerking some guy's father off so we could get his playboy. So this is not the case. At least not for me. It might be for other people. But we had a bunch of them. And I can say honestly, I've never read an article from Playboy. Uh, Back then, that was like the number one source for uh, looking at breasts, which back then I was a big fan of uh, looking at in their unclothed state. And this is uh, interesting because actually right now in my life, I'm also still a fan of looking at breasts in their unclothed state. So it's weird the way that the, the world kind of shifts and changes you know this is almost pre-internet this is this is a world of this is the wild west this is free-range children running around and hurting each other and yet somehow through all that through all the you know this is this is the the berlin wall had just fallen this is a long time ago and yet still the look of an exposed nipple is titillating and he used that term purposefully because tits are awesome see i think that made up for the beginning part where i was all sad so anyway uh, I've never read a Playboy article. I've actually heard they're good. I have no fucking idea. Um, I'm not the type to try to lie about th- things like this. I'm not going to say, oh, yes, I only get the whatever. Like, no, I, I don't. Uh, and if I had Playboy, I would say, you know what I get it for is to uh, is to look at pictures of, of attractive naked people and, and manually manipulate my primary sex characteristics until completion. I wouldn't say it like that. In fact, I probably wouldn't say it, but if asked, I would answer, uh, no, I don't read the articles. But uh, that was a fun question. I I know I wouldn't subscribe to Playboy. I was trying to think if I would right now if the girls were more attractive. Not to say that the women in Playboy are unattractive, but they're not my type in the slightest. They're all this, um, at least the last I saw one, which was quite a while ago, but I re- recall them being these kind of very airbrushed, um, blonde, like, like that that kind of weird artificial perfect that people found attractive i guess still find attractive and it never really it never resonated with me i'm trying to think of an example of someone that would look like this like a um who is who is like an artificial like a um oh, i don't know any famous people's names well just think of somebody like that like they usually have like uh really small areolas and and and, and uh boob implants and just kind of like like perfect's the wrong term but i i want to say perfect in a there's a term in in um robotics essentially called the uncanny valley where it's not necessarily i don't think it's only for robotics but i'm familiar with the phrase is this is that like the closer you get <clears throat> to making a robot face that looks like a human's, you get to this point where you can't really put your finger on what's wrong, but it's something unsettling about it. Because the face looks perfect. It's like computer modeled to be a perfect human face, but there's something wrong about it. There's, And that's called the uncanny valley, where it's like the space between, that kind of undefinable space between real and unreal. Um, that wasn't the best explanation, but it's something along those lines. But anyway, that, that level of artificiality while still being natural looking is the thing that kind of throws me off about the typical playboy model. Um, mad and small areolas. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I'm not a fan, but I was thinking if I, like if this was, if this were the 1980s right now and I was an adult, would I subscribe to playboy? Uh, I don't think I would. 
I might get a subscription to um to Hustler or maybe Wii because those are the only other ones I remember from when I was a kid. We had a copy of Wii when I was little, and I don't know the story of this, but it, it's apparently it was like the um I guess the hardcore pornography, uh, but the the like the first level hardcore pornography where it's like like Playboy is almost acceptable. It's like, hey Frank, you got that copy of Playboy? Like it's like this is acceptable kind of like the first level of ex- acceptable sleaze back in the eighties was the um the uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. That was like, ah, you know, you're gonna get that. Oh, you know, your kid's gonna grab that one and disappear in the bathroom. Like that was like the first level of kind of acceptable sleazy. Uh, material in the 1980s and 1990s, early 1990s. Uh, secondary level of that is Playboy. Not really much of a step above the um, the Sports Illustrated swimsuit calendar, but enough that it, it like now it's like now we're actually entering the realm of pornography. And then there's like a pretty significant jump to Hustler. Now Hustler, not to say that it was accepted, but it was it was in newsstands, but like it was in newsstands almost by rote where the newsstand didn't have pornography it just would have you know a playboy and a hustler and then if you're at a newsstand that's like just starting to get sleazy but doesn't have a full pornography section that's where we came in and that's my best description uh, that it was like that level so i don't know why i started talking about the magazine we but anyway um yes so i probably would get a subscription to that i wouldn't though i'm just saying things because i wanted to have like a nice bow on that topic but thank you speaking of bow debo Blanks and Time asks, asks me, and Blanks and Time, uh, uh, the N is just the letter N, so Blanks and Time. Super Bowl thoughts. Um, you know, it's it's super interesting. I, I got a lot of what I wanted out of the season. I don't have a, a, a NFL team that I support on the whole. I sort of root for the Patriots, but that's only because I like a Dynasty one, and I know they're not a Dynasty now, like... But I like I like a team that that's won a whole bunch, and then I like when the old man of the team can still manage to win. So that being Tom Brady, not that I like support them, but I kind of like idly cheer for them. You know, that's like more. I guess I would say that's the choice of game I would I would pick up on, and maybe it's because they get better television. So um, I only have an antenna on my TV, uh, so maybe that's the reason. But anyway, um, but I wanted to make sure that Kaepernick didn't go to the Super Bowl because I really don't like that guy. Um, that he, he did that when he was playing the Panthers where he did like the fake Superman thing. He was just, he's just a fucking punk. And I really don't, I don't like that level of sportsmanship. I, I know it's the NFL and that's like super, that's the way the NFL works. But like, you're the quarterback, dude. Like you got to hold yourself to a better standard. I just, I, he just strikes me as a shithead. So I was happy he didn't make it. So, um, yeah, Seattle and, um, the Broncos, I don't know. I kind of want. Like, I'm kind of happy the other way. Like, I like the idea of Seattle winning because I'm from Portland. They're the closest thing to a football team we have in the area. So, I'm, like, sort of rooting for them. Russell Wilson is a really quality quarterback, also mobile. Like, he's a he's a really interesting – he's a dude that I'm going to – like, I'm kind of happy I'm in this generation of football because this is a fun, fun generation of quarterbacks to watch. But I also like the idea of old man Peyton. Like, I like the idea of this broken old fucking dude winning the Super Bowl. And I like it on another level, too, is that if he can get a second Super Bowl ring, is he matches his shitty brother. And I loathe Eli Manning. <clears throat> Sorry, my half-cold is uh, returning here. So I loathe Eli Manning. No, loathe is the wrong term. I, he just annoys me. He's, I have such respect for the quarterback position. And 
I mean that in, I actually do. It's like a really, I mean, that's a, you have to be a really smart dude to be a quarterback, at least, you know, game smart or whatever the term you want to use is. And it's just, there's so much to kind of, I don't know. I just, I respect that. I respect a, an athlete that's kind of forced to also have to be smart. So um, the fact that Eli has two rings is just really annoying and I think takes away from the position. So uh, if, if Peyton could match him and kind of take a little bit of the luster off of that, I'd be kind of happy. So I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of, yeah, I'd be happy either way, but um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's tough because fucking Seattle's defense is really good. But I mean, the Broncos literally have the best offense that's ever happened in the history of the league. And I don't know that Seattle's defense is that good. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say if Peyton Manning has less than two, if Peyton Manning has, you know, I don't want to put it that way. Let's say if there's two or if there's three or fewer, yeah, if there's three or fewer, turnovers for the um for the Broncos like you know intercept they like they they throw an interception or drop the ball if it's three or fewer they win um maybe three is the line let's say two if they keep it to two or one they win if it's three I think that's where Seattle can win and yeah that's about it so I really just think it's going to come down to how good Seattle's defense is uh I, the Broncos defense is just whatever they're just there so um but I don't think Seattle's offense is that kind of, I guess I, what I'm trying to say is like the, the off foot between the two kind of levels out. So I think it really just comes down to, uh, you know, if, if Seattle can make, uh, uh, the Broncos turn the ball over. So that's my answer. I don't know if you guys were expecting an actual football answer out of me, but that's the best I can give as far as football analysis goes. And for those of you that have listened to the show, you should be shocked I did that good of a job. I probably said a bunch of wrong shit. I probably used the wrong names a couple of times, but I don't really talk about sports that much, so I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Blanks in Time also asked me, what's my take on self-improvement? I think it is the absolute most important thing uh, that can be done. Um, I think that if you are not working on yourself, you are not a person, and I know that's kind of hyperbole there. I don't, I guess I don't mean to be so, so drastic about it, but I mean, I really don't think there's a reason to keep living if you're just saying, eh, I'm good. And when I say, eh, I'm good, let me kind of give like a bit of a caveat on there where I guess if you have kids or whatever and you're trying to like improve their life as kind of a, um, a proxy for your self-improvement, that also counts. That's fine. But because I think that's, you know, kind of an evolutionary level, that's still your self-improvement by improving your kids, you know. Actually, no, because it's still your self-improvement because you're becoming a better parent or whatever. So, but no, I think uh, self-improvement is incredibly important. I think um, there's that old phrase, you know, the unexamined life is not worth living. And that is one of the few old school phrases that I as close to 100% agree with as I can agree with anything. It's, um, it's, yeah, uh, I, I wish I had like more. It's, I mean, literally that statement is so close to my beliefs that I can't really, uh, expound on it more. It's just, yeah, examine your life, find out what's wrong and try to fix it. And this comes from, you know, my, actually his next question is good. I can, I can transfer to the, I can, you know, segue into this. Uh, are you working on any projects? Um, 
well, I'm working on two books, a fiction book, and I'm working on a, um, essentially a, I don't want to call it a self-help book, but a kind of a self-help book for people like me, essentially the, 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 the lost or the cracks depressed crowd, the, the ones that have kind of managed to keep their feet on the ground, but are still like horrifically broken. It's like self-help books for, it's, what was the phrase I used? Advice and anecdotes for people uh, that advice and anecdotes don't work for. Um, but this goes with self-help is that I've been, you know, it's at, at times I've kind of like looked back and went, how the fuck am I, how the fuck have I not off myself? And I, I don't mean that now, like, uh, I mean, I mean that statement now, but I don't mean like, oh, I've thought about killing myself in the past, you know, five years or something, you know, some significant amount of time. But what I mean is like for the way, for the, the depth of, of horrible that I fall into, it's kind of like, why the fuck have I managed to do this? And I kind of look back and it goes to self-improvement of uh, tiny little um, what about Bob baby steps, where in the end you can kind of look back and, you know, see that you've improved. And I think that's super important. You know, even if your brain works, you know, well. Um, it, it's, uh, and when I say brain, I mean emotional state and soulfulness and mindfulness and all the other things, but, uh, I am trying to keep it somewhat light. So I'm just kind of referencing brain to encompass as a metaphor variable for every other thing. So yeah, I think, uh, self-improvement super important. And I think if you're kind of depressed or hurting or anxious, self-improvement can like really help a lot. And also self-improvement with you know through other people you know therapy or whatever because that is self-improvement kind of on the same metaphorical level as if you have kids trying to help trying to make their lives better actually makes your life better and not in like a not a not in a egotistical way but in literally you are to to treat someone else better makes you a better person because you're the type of person that treats someone that way because back to that old golden rule thing of you know don't you know, essentially just don't treat people as you wouldn't want to be treated to use in the negative or treat people as you'd want to be treated to use it in the positive way. Um, I'm not a positive person, obviously, so I said it that way. Um, let's just burn the place down. Next question from Blanks in Time. What's my media setup? It is uh, slapdash and horrible. I'm only answering that because um, you were nice. So you asked me stuff, so I want to be a completist. But no, I have um, I have a Yamaha uh, mixer. It's got a... Uh, four mic inputs and a couple of extra inputs and that runs into uh a, like a decade old macbook uh and i have some um essentially i forget the, t the actual title of the mics i have or the actual names but they're essentially like shore 88s or but shore 87 86 the standard vocal mic we have like a an alternate version of that kind of a um you know store brand of that that the sound exactly the same to me um yeah, and that's it. And I record with Audacity. So yeah, it, everything's like held together by duct tape and hope. Uh, there's there's no reason this podcast should sound as good as it does. There's no reason this podcast should make it to the air, uh, aside from uh, miracles. So also keep that in mind. You're listening, and you ever hear me uh, talk about how I need donations for uh, a new you know computer to do writing on? That's not like a oh my computer's running a little slow. That's I've 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 done voodoo to keep this thing alive. I've 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 put tape in places where tape does not belong. I've replaced everything and reinstalled everything. This is not a, a casual, I need to upgrade to the newest iPhone. This is, Alex is talking in front of a MacBook right now that's recording this, that's running um, iOS 10.6. If, you, you know, so if you're a Mac person, you can see the level of things. So anyway, that's my media setup. And I'm about to shit on the MacBook. It's lovely. I didn't have a machine that would record, and my buddy Tyler gave me this because he uh, was not using it. And it runs fantastic for its job. 
but it is not anything that I could give a recommendation for saying like, oh, you should get one of these because they're not like, it's not even a, a thing. It'd be like, um, yeah, I don't know what it would be like. I was going to compare it to the Gutenberg press, but that's fucking absurd. This is a, this thing's a miracle that I'm working on. It still runs fine, but it's not something I could be like, oh, here, do this setup. What you want to do is go to uh, a store and buy a 10 year old MacBook and then, yeah. So yes, thank you for the question. I want to tell all of you at home that I have a website and it's called alexcast.com. Alex is always spelled with two X's. So if you could uh, go there and click around, that'd be lovely. There is uh, an Amazon link there. And if you click that before you go to Amazon, I get a small percent of your purchase and you don't pay a red goddamn cent extra. And that's super helpful because as I was just referencing my horrific destituteness, that uh, that does help the show a lot. So go there. Um, it, once you click it, just bookmark that link as your Amazon thing. Then you'll never even know. And you'll be helping the show out by your very existence and purchasing of things on Amazon. There's also uh, an Audible link that you get a free audiobook if you click through there and I get some money. And <clears throat> Jesus Christ, I'm losing my voice. Um, and then there's a, let's see, there's a PayPal thing if you want to donate some to the show. And there's links to my books and things I've written aside from books. I've got like a little, um, I post occasional like poems and short stuff on there. Uh, actually I have, um, the first section of that, um, self-help thingy I was talking about is on alexcast.com. Just look for writing, click that. It's under there somewhere. And, uh, yeah, that is, that's all that. So that's fun to uh, go to because, well, let's face it. That's the, where everything is. That's what's going to count as a plug on this show. Speaking of writing, Clever Wes asked me, would you rather die and be forgotten or hatefully remembered? Yeah, that's a tough one. I was actually, when when he sent that to me, I was like, I should think about that first. And for regular listeners of the show, you'll know that me saying something like, I should think about that first, or I'll make sure to put that link on the website, means that I've not done that. So, here's the thing. If I'm hatefully remembered, but I've not acted in a way that I think deserves hateful remembrance, I would go that way. Like, if, um, I'm trying to think of a good, like, uh, you know, in, um, oh, Alex, come up with a fucking analogy, you're a writer, son. Um, okay, here. If, Nero, the Roman emperor. Not to say that he was a good guy, but it's the only one I can think of. Nero's known for, uh, you know, everybody goes, oh, Nero played the fiddle as Rome burned. No, he didn't. Nero wasn't in Rome at the time of its burning. And when he came back, he was uh, praised highly because he actually took uh, took money out of uh, the, like, the, you know, emperor's coffers and built new housing for, you know, kind of the lower middle class. He helped put out the fires. He helped rebuild he was actually like a really benevolent person on um, like for the rest of his run. I'm sure he was horrible and, you know, fucking people with daggers and what, you know, whatever it is, whatever horrible things Nero did. But just taking that one example of the thing he's remembered for is the playing the fiddle while Rome burned is he's remembered for, he's remembered horrifically. He's remembered with hate, but only because of, well, not only because he probably did some horrible shit, but, what I'm saying is, like, if he got this hateful thing by a rumor, but he actually was a, a useful and helpful person, uh, you know, he did help rebuild, he did put the fire out, etc. If that's the case, if that's the reason I'm hatefully remembered, uh, yeah, give me that, because I was helpful in life, you know? I was, you know, I, I did the right thing. So that's kind of what I guess the answer is. So, 
if I'm to die and be forgotten, as long as I lived a, a life worthy or a worthy life, I don't know, a life worthy. I got all Yoda and metaphysical there. But if I lived a worthy life, uh, yeah, fine. That's cool with being forgotten. And the same as hatefully remembered, as long as I didn't do anything that was, as long as I didn't do anything that was hateful, I'm just remembered for, you know, either, you know, a bad rumor or just some shitty thing or just the, the world changed, you know? Um, like, for instance, uh, on, on Twitter, I'm often rather harsh uh, when when uh, poking fun at various religions. So if one of those religions starts a, like some kind of horrible uh, world war again and takes over and become, you know, the entire world is encompassed in this one religion. And it's any word spoken against that religion uh, means that this person is a, is a is a piece of shit hate, hated hated they, they're they're they are their effigies are made of them and, and burnt and put out with urine. Uh, if that's the case, um, you know, that, but what I said at the time was fine. Yeah, cool. Hatefully remember me. I don't give a fuck. I'm not there. You know, my legacy only means, you know, the legacy isn't anything, you know, it's what you did in life that, that matters. And if you did the good thing in life and you're remembered hatefully for it, well, I mean, yeah, that sucks, but I'd rather do the good thing, you know? So that's the answer, I guess. Um, he also asked, what's the worst job you've ever had? Um, yeah, I think I've answered this on the show before, actually. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I had a job, I mean, really, all my jobs have been pretty terrible. I had a job where I had to go through old files and just type in the number on the top of the file for, like, eight hours straight. It was just, like, looking in, like, almost like a, um, it's a thing that's called a microfiche, but I, I really doubt anybody much younger than me would know what that is. But it's kind of like a, um, it's kind of small film that you see on a projector, like a tiny screen projector. But then you just type in the seven-digit number and just move the next one. Move. That was that was, yeah, that was really bad. Um, that was pretty fucking boring. And I don't, yeah, I mean it's not the, I don't, yeah, I mean I guess it's the worst. Whatever. It's um, all my jobs have been pretty like mindless, boring. That's you know that's the worst it gets. Uh, I don't think I've ever really been paid to lift anything, you know, or uh. Like any of that, like man work that people do, where they're like, you know, I, you know, I use these hands to put food on my table. Like, you know, I never really done any of that. Like, I've helped build houses a couple of times, but it's mostly just like for a couple of days here and there to make some scratch. Like, never, you know, I've never uh, coal mined or uh, lumberjacked or anything like that. Um, yeah. So really, I'm saying I'm like white, super white with with soft hands, silly hands, city hands, Mister Hooper. That would have been fun. I would have remembered a quint line and I would have quoted it well. But then I said silly hands. Because I'm uh, I'm a delightful little girl. And I say things like silly hands. Silly hands. The other week on my solo show, I talked about Martin J. Clemens and how he's writing for Mysterious Universe. And then he gave you his Twitter name. I'll just ignore that. His Twitter name is now Fortean Writer. Fortean spelled like Charles Fort. F-O-R-T-E-A-N writer at Fortean Writer. He is writing for Mysterious Universe. He does a website called Paranormal People Online, and he's a lovely man with a gift for writing articles, and you should follow him and read him. There you go. Enjoy that. Wonderful. There is another question from At The Whatcast. He wants to know about my podcasting past. Um, yeah, I probably haven't talked about this for a while. So, why you started, how long it took to get comfortable, favorite, least favorite parts of podcasting. And then three uh, question marks. So, wait, 
why you started, how long it took to get comfortable, favorite and least favorite parts of podcasting. Yeah, okay. So three, I think three, um, three question marks is appropriate there. That's cool. I'll take it. I mean, a little out of order, but that's fine. We're not, we're not here to correct grammar. I mean, I am, but most people aren't. Um, let's see why I started. Uh, well, I started, well, I started because of, yeah, I started because the mainly because of Adam's motion and the void by Sherwin sleeves. I know I've said this on the show before, so I'll be quick. This is amazing. Um, short story, um, kind of old style radio drama thing that he does. So Adam's motion in the void, uh, uh Adam's motion.com and click Adam's motion in the void. It's great. First telling lovely. So, uh, I always say start an episode three. So anyway, I was in the middle of trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Um, I had pretty much, I had gone into a few graduate schools and I just didn't have the money. Um, I had just been so ridiculously broke from college. And then I just, I, swamped with credit card debt from golf, you know, to try to buy books and whatever. And, um, which is actually, I'm still having, I'm still swamped in that same credit card debt because, uh, you know, when you get a college credit card for 20 something percent, yeah, it's pretty impossible to ever pay it back, especially with the shitty fucking $25,000 a year jobs I ever have. So, um, I was trying to figure out what to do with writing and it occurred to me that I wanted to get back. I wanted to start doing like open mics and do poetry readings again and whatever. And I was also starting kind of coinc like coincident with that, coincident with that, coincidentally. Alongside of that, I was uh, trying to put out the Void Sutras, uh, the uh, collection I put out my first book called, uh, it was um, Short Stories and Prose, Short Prose. So I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll start doing like a podcast kind of thing. And my first thought was I'd do like a, I mean, essentially same as the way Joe Rogan started was I was just going to copy Opie and Anthony. Um, and I was playing around with that and it just, I realized, well, one, doing it by myself doesn't work because I did not have the ability to talk for that long and I didn't have anybody else to talk to. So I was like, all right, so what else can I do? And then I found, uh, kind of at the same time I found sleeves out of the motion in the void. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, all right, I'll just copy that because it gets me in front of a mic. It's pre-planned. So I don't have to worry about kind of falling on my ass midway through and, and humming humming and not have anything to talk about. So I wrote a couple of stories and I started to record one, maybe a recorded two. And I don't know if I ever actually finished the full recording. Like, so this isn't something that's like existent. It never really finished. I was listening back on it and I realized I just do not have in any way, shape or form the voice to be a storyteller in that way, uh, to be a, yeah, radio dramatist style storyteller. But I'd already kind of gotten the idea in my head to start a show. And at that point, my friend Tyler, as referenced earlier, who gave me this fine map book that I'm using right now, and thank him again for it. Um, him and his friend Sean, Sean McGann, who's been on the show many times. In fact, I think he's coming on tomorrow. Uh, they did like a test show with them talking to each other, much like going back to the earlier point of, you know, in the first run of podcast, everybody copied Opie and Anthony. That's they, they are the, they are the generators of podcasting. But, um, yeah, so I heard that. I was like, oh, fuck, you know what? Oh, let's just do this. I'm already kind of having it in my head that I want to get out there. I want to perform or whatever. So I started the Alex Cast and I said, all right, 
I'm going to see how hard it is to talk to a microphone with absolutely no show prep. I refuse to, you know, I, I refuse to have sh stories in front of me or, um, you know, questions to answer like I'm doing now. The, the idea back then was, look, dude, sit down and start saying some shit. And I did that. And it was, um, well, that's your second question is how long did it take you to get comfortable I don't know. It took a while. Like, the first, I mean, I guess I'll go to the, I don't know if I ever really got comfortable with that style thing. Like, now I'm comfortable that if I have a, a list in front of me, like I have, you know, five questions or whatever, I'm pretty comfortable. Like, oh, I can, you know, I can drag this out to an hour. Like, these solo shows, I'm not trying to do full hours. I'm trying to, essentially, it's like half an hour and above is what the solo guys are. But anyway, if I wanted to, I could make this an hour. And it might be. Who knows? I end up yapping. But I didn't get comfortable with that until, I mean, much, I didn't get comfortable with, like, kind of doing it just in the dark, walk up to him, I could start talking and figure out how to, how to do an hour. I don't know if I ever got really comfortable with that, but as far as, like, just having any kind of show prep, uh, I... It was probably once I started having guests on and I realized that, I mean, I guess oh, this is like hard to put because I know I'm not trying to put down any guests I've ever had on the show, especially guests back then. But it occurred to me that all the things I was afraid of, like that I was going to start doing the um, blanking out and not having an answer, the, the stammering or whatever it is, all the things that I was terrified of people were doing on the show because they were you know super afraid to come on the show and i was like oh fuck i was like oh they're doing that and i'm like oh yeah i guess i don't do that because i was so concerned with my level of doing that my like i talk fast as fuck as i'm sure you guys have noticed especially when i'm talking to people i think i'm a little slower in these solo ones but i talk super fast if i if there's a a seconds pause i would go like oh fuck oh fuck and panic and try to fill that fill that gap but I realized, like, talking to kind of uh, early guests, I was like, oh, shit, I'm not doing that, which I'm not trying to put them down. I'm just, it was the realization that I wasn't doing all these things. I was kind of, uh, I was afraid I was going to start doing. So there was that. And then um, in the early Alex cast days, I was on a site called Podomatic, which uh, a lot of you might be familiar with. But I started to get to, like, I mean, there's like there was like 70,000 podcasts on there, and I was... I started to get to like the top 100 pretty often. And for a while I was going back and forth for first place of um, first place with um, the black guy who tips podcast, who I see on Stitcher sometimes. I was like, Oh fuck that guy's still around. Cause I never listened to a show. I just, I was like, Oh, that's the guy that I go back and forth with, with uh, first place. And it was like first place for comedy. And then it'd be, you know, was, I've, I think I got to like top 10 of like the entire site. And I'm not saying this to brag cause I was a while ago, but um, this was a, uh, it, it kind of it gave me bolster my confidence that if I am just talking to a mic pointlessly or with friends, it's at least interesting enough for people to download. I don't know if they listen. I don't know if people listen now because the numbers that I get download wise, I I question how many of those are actual listens or how many of those are people that over the years have subscribed and then just uh, left it there because uh, one the listener interaction is is sparse at times, and then. Um, and then two, it just seems like that's way too many for this level of shit. But also, automatic we're number one. So anyway, that helped a lot for the for the confidence building. And then kind of the 
the last one was um maybe not the last one, but one of the last ones that kind of like made me think that I was much more confident was I was on somebody else's show. Um, this was a while ago and I'm not going to name the show, but essentially I just kind of took the show over, uh, because the person I was talking to just wasn't prepared for an interview and interviews the wrong term, but wasn't prepared for to have a podcast guest. I don't know if that was their plan. Just thinking, well, Alex is going to come on the show, so obviously he'll just do the talking for me, which, I mean, I don't have a problem with that. It's just, I would have, if they told me that first, I wouldn't have waited for everything to feel uncomfortable before I started talking, like, way too much and just, you know, kind of taking the show over. But when when somebody else kind of got panicky and not talkative uh, or uncommunicated, un- doesn't talk that much, uh, and I got to take over the show, uh, and I don't mean that in like a get out of my way. I'm doing this. It's just I just kind of went. All right, I guess I'll be I'll be first, Mike. You know, don't worry about this. I got it. Um, and not that I said that out loud. And actually, I kind of feel bad saying this, but I don't. I, I one, I don't think he'll care, and two, um, I'm not giving enough detail that anybody can figure that out. Anyway, the point is that was like a really confidence booster because it made me realize like, oh, all right, so you dropped me into a situation that is uncomfortable, and the things that I was concerned about myself, I can kind of scramble and make something listenable out of what was previously at least to me uncomfortable to listen to um so that was super confidence building um and then um yeah i mean that's part of it this also started too i'm reminded i talked about this early on in the show that i used to talk a fucking lot when i was a kid and i remember i was at my friend ryan's house and his uh, uh, parents were kind of mocking me for talking too much and doing this thing where like, I bet you can't be quiet for five minutes and then waiting five minutes and then like waiting for 10 minutes to try to like, like fuck with me. But I was like a little kid. So I was like trying to like get the record and I was like kind of hurt by it. And I think I kind of got, I got a little quieter than I would have because like there was a lot of like shut up Alexing going on because I was yapping too much. So I lost a lot of confidence in my ability to just yap. And I've always been really comfortable just observing things. So the kind of that combination made me a little too comfortable to be quiet uh, in being quiet. But yeah. So, um, how long it took me to be comfortable is the entire time. I'm still not a hundred percent comfortable. I mean, I still qualify a lot of statements as I've done, uh, during this answer. I still get a little weirded out sometimes about what I'm going to say on the show. Um, I've certainly, I'm not, I don't edit the show. I mean, I edit the show in that, uh, I, no, I don't edit. I post produce the show, I guess, you know, I run a couple filters on it to make it sound better, but I almost never cut anything out of the show unless it's uh, a name that got used that was not meant to be put out, you know, cause that does happen every now and again. I'm certainly not going to, you know, fuck anybody over because we fucked up and said a name. Uh, and that's really it. But uh, sometimes I'll be uncomfortable with things I say, but I kind of forced myself to put it out there. And I think in the, we're on a hundred and I don't know, let's just say 140 episodes. I'm, I'm somewhere, 135, somewhere in there, whatever. In all those episodes, I think I've only edited out, I think I've only edited out two things I've said because of, I, I kind of felt awkward about it afterwards. And one of which was in like the past couple months. So that's like a super long time. Like that, like, I feel like I have a, like a really good run of that. And that adds a lot to the comfortability of like saying, well, fuck it. I'll just throw it out there raw. Um, 
I would do the show live, but again, there's a lot of problems with one. I think it sounds a lot better uh, if you do post production. So I kind of feel weird having people listen to kind of the raw form of it. And then two, if I have guests on, I know it's a lot more comfortable for them knowing that if uh, in that weird case there's a there's an accident and something needs to be taken out, it, no one heard it other than two people there. Now for me, I'm comfortable because it's I've been doing the show for over three years now and um, I've had to edit two things and not had to like. Honestly, both of them could have gotten out fine. Like right now, tonight, I started out and I said, uh, like, N-word joke. Like, not the N-word, like the um, being insulting, but using, like, kind of rap terminology with nigga in the beginning uh, with that Elvis bit. I feel fucking bad about I feel a little bad about that. Um, though, now that I brought it up, I can't edit it out because I just referenced it. Shit. I was going to say I could have just cut it out and then I'd, I'd pretend that I cut it out because I'm a shitty singing. Damn. Well, all right. So we almost had number three. But anyway, yeah. Uh, favorite, least favorite parts of podcasting. Um, I really, my favorite parts are, uh, the, the, the interaction. Uh, I really like when you guys talk to me. I like, I really like when I kind of forget that, uh, actually weird enough, this is, uh, Mateo is asking this from the podcast. At least I think it's Mateo, um, at Dreckface. But like, I always like it. Like, uh, he made a comment the other day. He's like, he's like talking about how he used to be, you know, he's a listener to the show. And then, uh, his co-host was on how weird that was. And I was like, I'm like, oh, fuck, I forgot you're a listener. I mean, not that I think of him as a listener. It's like, I oh, has a buddy of mine from Twitter. I forget that it's like this started as a, this started as Mateo finding a, a somebody he finds a commonality with or some kind of affection towards through a podcast. And now we're like friends to the point that I forgot that he was a listener. He's just some dude I'm friends with on Twitter. And, but it's, it's like, that's, I really like that. I really like, um, uh, I really like when people, uh, this is this is this is a dangerous one to say, but I love when people correct me, and I'm doing air quotes here. Um, but I love when people correct me in like silly shit. Uh, I, I find amusing. Like, um, what the hell was? Uh, oh, oh, uh, uh, at forty and writer Martin J. Clemens uh, corrected me on when I was on the podcast. I was referring to a chamber in which, when you uh, use like chants or spoken verbal cues, I was uh, to get yourself in an altered psychedelic state. I was referring to that as a psychomantium. And he rightly called me out on it that a psychomantium is a place with uh, like mirrors and shit to kind of for the same purpose. And I love that because it's like one, how fucking obscure is that? Like what a fucking nerdy thing just happened there. And uh, two, no, there's no two. I was just like, oh, that's really fun. But when people call me out on stupid shit, like uh, um, I hate when, like I talked about football before. And I think I actually mentioned that I probably said the wrong. Name. I'm sure I fucked up somebody's name or team. I don't care. Like. If it's obviously a thing that I don't talk, like, I've, I've been doing this show for three fucking years. I may have, that may be the third time I've referenced football. So if I said the wrong teams, just shut up. Like, I don't care about that. But I love when people correct me at, like, weird ass shit. Or I love when people kind of add to the topic of, like, oh, yeah, hey, uh, the Psychomantium. Hey, wait a second. Did you know about this? And the next thing I know, I'm watching a uh, a, a video on YouTube about, about fucking uh, the, the Hypogeum in, in Malta, you know which I don't know if that's in Malta. And there, you can correct me. Be like, hey, Alex, this is what you're talking about. In fact, today I watched a, a, a special about uh, Stanley Kubrick faking the moon landing because I was on um, one of the podcasts on the 24-hour podcast and uh, he sent me a link to it because I guess that's what we talked about. You may have noticed that my tone of my voice just went to what I like to call a vacillating tone because I don't remember who the fuck... It was Drew Sample. So um, I'm just confused by... All right. Well, Drew Sample's from the Sample Hour. 
But I think the show I was on, well, I was on the 24-hour podcast. And they, they cut up the 24-hour podcast into like these three-hour segments. So whatever three times, three times whatever is 24, there's that many episodes. Three times eight, eight times eight is 16. It's 24. So there's eight different episodes. And I was, I was talking to, on I guess one of them, I was talking to Drew Sample. And uh, they cut it out. Um, uh, and, and put into, what the fuck are you talking about, Alex? You, you rambling ass of a man. See, this is the problem. I had to look something up. This is why I need a producer and studio. The point is, I was talking to him uh, on the unnamed show, which I don't know the name of for the 24-hour podcast. And uh, yeah, he sent me a link to this thing. So I got the download of today. I was like, oh, how fun was that? You know, what a random sequence of events uh, to have happen. What a fun interaction with, in this case, not really a listener. It's a, a co-podcaster or shared host or shared guest on the 24-hour thing. But anyway, I love that shit. That's awesome. Um, my other kind of favorite parts of the podcast thing is I do like, and this is very rare, but uh, Rachel was on the other day, the one that does the uh, etch sketch art. And uh, that was fun of her having the realization, like, a few hours into hanging out with me uh, that I'm the Alex she's been listening to. She was a early adopter of the show, you know, three years ago. So I think she started on like episode 10 or, you know, some early, early number. Um, that's really fun. Cause it's, it's not happened often, but it's really exciting to be, to, to when, to be there when someone goes, Oh my God, that's you. Cause it's, 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 I don't know. It's just really, it's odd on one level. Cause like, well, yeah, you ain't recognize my voice. But, I mean, I guess it's different when it's, you know, you're listening on a podcast or whatever and you're seeing someone's face. Because, um, not that I have a lot of photo evidence of me out, but, like, I was certainly, uh, the first two years of the show, there's almost no, there might not be any photos of me available in reference to the show. So, uh, I could sort of say that. But anyway, I love that. Uh, the least favorite part is kind of the same thing as some of the user interaction is, not that I'm never upset by the quality of the interaction. If anybody talks to me, that's awesome. I'm really excited by it. But when I talk to this many people that download the show and I've got you know, like, you know, 2000 something Twitter followers, um, I've got 3000 something, but as discussed, one of you, um, bought me a thousand, which was quite uncomfortable and funny, but, um, yeah, so I talked to like 2000, whatever of you there. And then, you know, I don't know, whatever, a hundred something on Facebook and, um, and then uh, whatever, you know, the download numbers. So w when I have a solo show where I'm like, hey, anybody got any questions? And you get almost no one response. Uh, that's kind of sad. Or uh, when I have uh, like an important episode uh, come out and you get like nothing, uh, no retweets, no interaction. It's more so it's not it's not disappointing. Yeah. So it's not the, the, the interaction is never disappointing to me, even if it's somebody being shitty it's when there's no interaction and it's like, for the love of God, people like, I know there's a bunch of you here. I don't want to have to bother you. And cause there's some things I have to do, you know, there's some things you have to get out there. Like, um, uh, I have no way to follow this up. Like, cause I, I don't want to make it about money. Cause it's not about money. It's just, those are the only things I really post a lot. Like when I, as I referenced earlier, I need a, I need a new, I need something to carry around with me to write the next book on next books actually on and i i don't have any money like i've you know i can barely pay rent so like i i got nothing so i was like hey guys you, anybody got an old tablet laying around or um you know like hey uh why don't you click the amazon link or you know uh the, the whatever the fuck and when you had like 
zero of that. It's a little frustrating because like it's not that is um my my bandwidth situation is rather complicated, but let's just pretend I'm a regular person. Bandwidth is expensive, you know, and, and putting the show together is is uh time consuming. So I'm not saying anybody, you know, like no one owes me a fucking red cent and no one should give me any kind of money. Like that's not, it's certainly what I'm saying. Like I wish I had a better example of this, but it's like when someone that like a significant number of you are listening to is saying like, Hey, you know, that thing that gives my life meaning, you know, like putting books out. Um, I'm going to, I'm getting really close to like not being able to do that. Can someone help me? And then, and it's like, just, uh, if I could do a cricket noise, I would mimicking one right now. And it's just like somehow some digital tumbleweed goes against my timeline. It's like, but there's there's a comma in the number of downloads. How does how does no one respond? I don't. And that's so that's the down, that's the downside of podcasting is when I I'd certainly I'm not again. This is not about money. It's just the only one I could think of. Um, is I I don't like it, it's so it's so frustrating to have. And I know that I have an apathetic audience. And I would use a better term than apathy if there was a positive one because I know I've got a lot of basement dwelling weirdos like me that listen. And I mean that in the lovingest, most we all deserve hugs way. And I completely understand that I'm not, I, I'm not going to get the happy, positive, like, yay, let's support him vibe. Uh, so I'm not certainly asking God for that. But like the downside is sometimes you're like, am I really just screaming to a fucking void here? Like, is this just, is this nothing? Like, am I wasting time, effort, money, and, and, and self-respect and like just screaming into a fucking vortex of nothing? Um, I don't think it is because I do run into people that listen to the show, but, uh, that's the downside. And I guess if you're like a person that isn't fucking insane, that wouldn't be a downside. But, you know, if, if, you know, if you're a person that's not fucking insane, I don't know that you randomly purchase a mic and start trying to do a storyteller show on your computer in the style of 1930s radio dramas, you know, the whistler, um, yeah, so that's yeah, that's the downside. Um, but the plus side is is a lot better. I mean, it's just significantly better. Like I've met a lot of fucking awesome people, and that's really the thing is the people the interaction is great. And yeah, and then on the, oh, you know, it's a better option. Ah, I wish I'd said this. What I mean is, I talked to um, you know, something with a comma, and then you know, two thousand plus people on Twitter, and you know, a uh, hundred whatever. No, well, more than whatever, and a few people on Facebook. Um. And then when I put the book out, like the sales on that again, and when I say sales, I mean the number of people that read it. I mean, if I could give it away for free, I would have counted that as a number. But the number of people that showed zero interest, it's like, guys, this is like what I am. Like you're listening to a writer talk like this isn't I'm not a I'm not a comedian. I'm not, you know, I don't I'm not like a, you know, I'm not a visual artist like this is a podcast by a guy that writes and that like the the whimper and a cough that my book was received with was like well what the fuck are you doing here guys you know that that's the downside that was a better way to put it because that's a better way that doesn't like the other way i felt like i was talking about money in no way does any of this have to do with money um it's just this thing of like well this is like my my to get all fruity with the language this is my raison d'etre like this is why i'm here like this is my existence is based around this and the 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 tumbleweed of nothing that happened that when the book came out was was disappointing and that's the that's a certain downside to it of you, not that there's an expectation of response or anything being a podcast but it's like when you talk to as many people as i do and i don't even talk to but when you have that amount of interaction and you get nothing back on something that means so much to you 
it's actually it's actually more upsetting than if I had no one to talk to and got nothing back. You know, if I didn't have a Twitter account and the book came out, I'd be like, oh, well, you know, like if I didn't have a Twitter account and just put my book out uh, and told people on Facebook, I don't know that I would. I mean, I was sold less, but not so much less that that uh, that it would that it would make up for the disparate number. Like with the amount of retweets and whatever, I did the math one day, like with the amount of people that have retweeted. um the I had a couple like kind of famous e people do it. Um, I was probably somewhere close to like a million Twitter accounts had seen that link. Now I don't mean click that link. I don't mean even looked at the tweet. I just mean were theoretically available. So cut that in half. Let's say five hundred thousand were um, seeing it in a way that like their eyeballs landed on it. And certainly not click. So the the percentage between five hundred thousand and um, during that week of that week of sales of like, you know, I mean, close to nothing, it's the disparity between it. So it's like, it's, that's the disappointing part. It's not, it's not that, it's not the the failure aspect. It's the, oh man, really? With all of you guys? Like really all of you ignored that? Fuck. Like that's upsetting. Um, but it's whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it's worth it. It's just, uh, I suppose it's a lesson learned, uh, when the next book comes out, I, I, I won't, think of numbers in that way but yeah that was a little shitty so um i'm going to close up with here speaking about the book um periphery by alex bolum available on amazon oh it's on smash words right now too oh here's another uh, annoying thing and this isn't about um a, being a podcaster i guess i had um i had no less than five people and i know five isn't a lot i'm just using this as an example five people told me that i need to put my book on smash words because they don't want to use amazon so Smashwords is this distribution methodology that uh, that uh, uh, essentially just isn't Amazon for eBooks, and it distributes to uh, like uh, iBookstore or whatever the fuck it is, and Barnes and Noble Bookstore, and um, the Nookville or whatever you know, like whatever e-commerce book place you want to go. So I had at least five people that I can remember, and I think more than that tell me my book needs to go on there because they don't like Amazon. So I finally got around to it. I was like, oh, you know what? I've finally been convinced. And I had some time. So I spent like two hours formatting the book to the uh, to the specifications that they want for Smashwords. And uh, so I got it up there. So it's there. It's available for purchase. Five bucks on ebook. So out of those five people, no one bought it yet. But you, like, I did that for you. Like, I don't, like, I'm not, like, again, this isn't about money. Because, like, at best, that'd be $25. The amount of time I put into formatting the book, not worth it time per hour. So, like, it's just, well, what the fuck, guys? Are you just messing with me? Like, are you just trying to set me? Like, is this some kind of, like, scavenger hunt? Is this one of those, like, oh, I'm going to hide this uh, and you have to use your geolocator. And then once you find the box, you have to find another box. It just goes on forever until you find a laughing jack-in-the-box somewhere in northern Kazakhstan. You know? No, you don't know. That didn't make any sense. The point is, it was just really fucking, like... Now you're just fucking with me, people. Like this, there's no way this could be reality. Where you, you go, hey Alex, can you do this thing for me? And in return, this will happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess. Like if that's what you need, I, I will take my time to do that. Ah, we're not going to do it after all, sucker. Fuck you, fuckstick. So I'm not actually saying fuck you, fuckstick. Maybe they just didn't know, but it was a, it was on my mind of the disappointing thing of like, but like if I wasn't on Twitter, that would never happen. I would have never thought like, why'd you guys do that to me? That's 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 fucking pulling the football out. Like it's really some bullshit. Um, I just I just want to kick the football. In fact, I don't even want to kick the football. You said, "Hey, Alex, you know what's a good idea? Kicking a football." And I go, "I don't I don't really like football. Um, 
I don't, I don't, I don't like playing and I've never kicked once, but I mean, if you really want me to kick that football, sure I will. I mean, I, you know, I'm trying to be a nice guy and they go, yeah, you should definitely kick this football. And it's like, all right, so you want, you're just going to hold it there and then I'm going to like kick it with my foot. They go, yeah, yeah, just, I'll hold it here and you kick it with your foot. I'm like, do I aim it? Like, no, the whole point is just kick it, you know, see if you can. And I go, okay, I mean, I guess I'll kick that football with my foot. And then, then I kick the ball and she pulls it out of the way and I fall on my, on the ground and go, arg. And they go, ah, you missed the football. And I'm like, but that's not fair. I didn't even want to kick the fucking football in the first place. This isn't you changing the expectation of result. This is you telling me I want this result. And then, oh man, that's just mean. Fucking whatever the lady's name from Peanuts that did that. Yes. So I wrote the last book called Periphery, which is available on Smashwords now. And um, in it, there's, this is not a spoiler. There's just, there's um references to finding small orange plastic dinosaurs uh in the in a gutter it's not like it's not like a big thing it's just like kind of a i don't want to refer to it as a throwaway thing but it's it's not a major plot point it's just a thing that happens so when i put the book out uh there seems to be a growing number of people that have been finding tiny orange plastic dinosaurs uh of my readers um Teo from the what from the what cast uh has found one in his house that is not it doesn't belong to him or his children. There's just an orange dinosaur laying on his carpet. So I, uh, I have a picture of that. Um, uh, Tara, who helped edit Periphery, um, was sent something for Christmas uh, via like Amazon or eBay or whatever. Like, uh, let's say it's a sauce pot. But in the box that it came with was a tiny orange dinosaur. I was walking to work and in a gutter. Um, well, actually in the middle of the road, but I want to say in a gutter because it worked better for the narrative. And then I realized I have a picture of it, so it would sound like I'm lying. But um, on the street, there's a, a tiny dinosaur. Now, it wasn't orange. It was kind of leaf-colored, but it was really tiny. Like, there's no reason I would have noticed it, um, that it that it's uh, it was there. I was like, oh, that's fucking weird. Um, I had somebody else reference one, too, but I didn't get a picture. But um, So I've had this dinosaur on my desk at work forever, and I took it, I took it home with me um, uh, to... Um, have in my apartment because of this weird dinosaur thing but i look on my timeline this is the first time i've had it in my house and i look at my timeline and uh 40 and writer there retweeted a picture of this is what really happened to the dinosaurs and it's and it's a hedgehog tiny baby hedgehog holding onto this tiny plastic dinosaur now that's not that weird because you know let's face it there's millions of varieties of tiny plastic dinosaurs and it's twitter so this is not a weird thing based on periphery however Tiny plastic dinosaur in question on that Twitter feed is 100% exactly the same tiny plastic dinosaur that I had just brought home from work. That it had been there for probably two years now, maybe three. That's fucking weird. So apparently there's a uh, strange coincidence going on with readers of Periphery, which is odd because that's actually referenced in the book that there's uh, certain coincidences that start happening when you're a person that can see the periphery as referenced in the book. So that's fucking weird. So anyway, um, I think I broke the universe. And if I did, you know, I'm real sorry about that. Um, it's not, you know, I didn't mean to. But uh, if this is the way the universe is going to be broken, uh, well, it's worse. It's not as bad as any other way. You know, it's not like it's not like you know Hitler won. It's just you're gonna find some random plastic dinosaurs if you read the book. Yeah. So if you read the book and you found a tiny plastic dinosaur, continue not to say anything to me and ignore me like the bag of fucking human refuse that you are. It was lovely to talk to you guys. Um, anything I said insulting about you was not about you, but it was about the general you. 
you with a capital Y. And if it happened to describe you perfectly, I did not actually mean you. I meant a different person that happened to be uh, very much a description like yourself. The tiny plastic dinosaur in question was orange, and it's a brontosaurus in the book. And, uh, no, it's T-Rex in the book. Sorry, it's a brontosaurus in my head. That doesn't make any sense. But I don't care about making sense, because I told you guys this wouldn't last an hour, and I must be over an hour at this point. I have been Alex, you have been the listeners, and this has been the Alex Cast. I am the Whistler, and I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales, many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Presently, I'll tell you of nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. (laughs) 